0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. If you got your Bible, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 1. It's a very familiar passage. Mark chapter 1, and uh, we can start, I believe we'll, we'll jump into verse 15 or so. Six, let's go to 16. Do you have it up there on the on the board? I'll, I'll, I'll cheat and look there. <laughs> it says, as, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men, fishers of people. Now sometimes we might get the idea that Jesus called these guys because he saw some vision, they had a halo over their head, and it was like, oh, that's that's the mark, you know, that's the one. I don't think it was anything quite that climactic. I think it was really that Jesus saw some qualities in these men that we can emulate. I love the fact that they were working together. They were in relationship with one another. I like the fact that they were working at all. They were just working out there, taking care of business, doing what they knew to do. And Jesus, you know, he didn't look for somebody that was uh, navel-gazing under a tree, you know, waiting for some philosopher to come by so they could follow. He found people that were busy. He found people that were, were active. And Jesus found these two brothers, Simon and Andrew, and he calls them, he invites them to follow him. And that invitation is for us today. Many of us have already made that decision to follow Jesus, and it's, I don't believe it's a one-time decision. I believe that it's a continual daily process that we continually are making that decision to follow Jesus in a world that would seek to get us to turn away, a world that would seek to cause us to have doubts that just uh, seem insurmountable. Every day we wake up, every day we, we take on that opportunity to follow Jesus he said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of people. And then it says, uh, they left their nets, followed him. When he'd gone a little farther from there, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, that mending their nets again, two brothers in relationship with their hands to work. And he invited them to follow him, called them, they left Zebedee, their father, left the boat with the hired servants and followed him. It says they went after him, went after him. I believe that we should never lose our pursuit of Jesus. We know him, we've experienced him, but I've found in my walk with Jesus over my entire life, really, when I was just five years old and uh, asked my mother to pray with me, she was tucking me in that night, And I said, Mom, pray with me and help me to ask Jesus into my heart like they talked about in church. And it was probably Chuck and Becky that talked about it. And uh, some people would say, well, can a five-year-old really understand the the depth of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ? And I would say, I still can't understand the depth of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. That today, we all are continuing to unwrap this, this gift, this free gift of salvation. And all I can say is it stuck, it took. And I'm here today because Jesus came to live in me. He came to live in you. And he calls us and says, follow me. I'll make you become fishers of people. You know, a lot of times as an evangelist, people will ask me for secrets and tips and methods, you know, to be effective as a witness. And there's no secret. There really is no secret. The secret, if you want to call it that, the key, the principle is, follow Jesus and he'll make you something. Follow Jesus and he'll turn your heart into something that it wasn't before. Follow him and he'll transform you. He'll convert you into his image. And we know that, you know, theologically, that regeneration, born again, that's, that's a, a, a moment in time. That's a, a point in time where we are brought out of darkness into light, from spiritual death into life. But that process, what the Bible calls sanctification, that process of reflecting Jesus and looking like Him is a lifetime process. And it's that that's what I'm talking about today, that decision to follow Jesus with all your heart. I look at these kids out here, and um, so young, so much life ahead of them, and I want you to know God's got good plans for your life. You'll never regret anything that you give to God. I can look back over my life, And I've got a lot more years to live, but I look back as far as I've lived, and I can tell you that I've never lost anything that I committed to Jesus Christ. I've never lost, I've never suffered a loss of anything worth having by following Jesus. Never had a regret about something I did to pursue Jesus. I've never had a regret about the things that I committed to Him. I've never had a regret about those times that I really let him be the Lord of my life. Any regrets I have are the times where I didn't let him be the Lord in that area or that time, that moment. But we thank God that his, his arms are always wide open to us. He doesn't turn his back on us. He doesn't abandon us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he always calls us again and again, follow me, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of people. Jesus called these men, these first four disciples, he called them, I believe, in part, in large part, because they understood the power and the importance of relationship. That's why we're here today. That's why you come to church. Maybe you don't think about it from one moment to the next, but this is about forging relationships. You know, when Jesus calls us to himself, he draws us into the body of Christ, and we're connected to each other. None of us is called or even capable, really, of living out the full potential that we have in Christ by ourselves. That is only experienced in community. God exists in community Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a a communitarian, if you want to say it that way. And He calls us to live in community. You know, the enemy works in the solitude. Right in that same first chapter, Mark, you, you, you read about, excuse me, chapter 3, you read about where Jesus was out in the wilderness. You know, the only time that the devil could even talk to him when was, was he was out there in the wilderness area by himself. And that's what the enemy would love to do to us, is draw us away from relationships that are vital to us. But Jesus is calling us and inviting us and, and, and beckoning us to come in to that relationship with him and to live in that place. To live there continually. Jesus said in John chapter 15, Abide in me. Abide, dwell, live in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in that vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so that's the place that we're connected. That's where we live our highest potential. If you want to go a couple chapters ahead, Mark chapter 3, and then we'll start in verse 13, Mark three thirteen. And these are familiar passages. This is Jesus calling other disciples, other individuals to follow him. And I love what it says in verse 13. He went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. I see Jesus inviting people to come, I see Jesus with open arms. Even the cross, I mean, it's a demonstration. God with his arms open to receive us back to himself. An open path. And Jesus called those that he himself wanted. Now, you might not have thought about it like that before, but God doesn't need you. He wants you. God doesn't need what you can produce for him. He wants you for who you are. Because he made you. Because you're the creation. You're the product of his love. You're the product of His good design. You know, I go to places all over the world and different religions and different ideas about God or the spirit realm. Some don't even believe in a God. It's spirits and demons and all these ancestors and many different beliefs. But outside of the good news of the gospel, the perception of God across the board is that God is hostile. That God is contrary that God is adversarial that he is there as the antagonist many people uh, would and they would even say this that they really believe that God is putting them through all kinds of suffering and that he created them for that purpose he made them kind of almost as a cruel experiment just to create this this uh, monster of a being so that he could just watch how miserable they would be well that's not what the Bible teaches us about God you are the product of God's love. God created you because, not because he needed you. He, cre- he didn't need anything. He made us in his image and in his likeness. He made us like him to enjoy relationship with us, to be the recipients of his goodness, to be the recipients of his love, to enjoy living with him for all eternity, for all eternity. And you and I are the product products of the love of God. And so when you face a tough situation in your life, when you have that understanding of God, you can know the source of your problems. You can know where those problems come from, and it's not from God. It's not from God. It's from a broken world that we live in. We have an enemy, and we live in a world that was broken because of sin, corrupted because of sin. But Jesus, I thank God that He didn't send anybody to save us. He came down Himself. The Bible teaches us that in the person of Jesus Christ, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That God came to us. It's a miracle. The incarnation, that's the theological word for it. But uh, whenever I say incarnation, I always think of uh, Nacho Libre. But anyway, <laughs> Encarnacion, yeah. But that, that's, a, that's a big word, but it's God. Think about it. God didn't just sit up there in heaven with his arms crossed on his throne in that place of peace and perfection and just look long distance at us telescopically and and all the mess that was happening, all the destruction and all the hurt and the pain. And people say, well, where was God when this happened or that happened? I'll tell you where God was. He was right here with us in Jesus Christ. He came and the Bible teaches us that he came completely assumed our condition apart from sin and then in the consummation of that redemptive work even that sin he took upon himself suffered all of that all the consequences of it so that you and i could walk free so that you and i could live at peace with god and that's good news and i thank god for the the work that jesus did jesus called these See, you didn't know all that was in verse 13, did you? Verse 13, that he called those he himself wanted. And in verse 14, so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach and to heal sicknesses and have authority to cast out demons. And so, many times, you know, and depending on your background, the way I was raised... You know we, the biggest thing that we were looking for was getting that faith working and getting the miracles, the signs the wonder, and we love the power and the authority, yeah, come on, and hey, it belongs to us. I believe that i'm not I'm not negating that, but i I think that we can gloss over very quickly the most important phrase in that whole verse verse, verse fourteen. He called them so that they might be with him, and then he would send them out. As a full vessel, a full vessel. He called them so that they might be with Him. You know, Jesus wants to be with you. Devotion. Sometimes I think when we talk about devotional life, you know, some of these uh, practices, I guess for lack of a better word, Christian practices, Bible study, prayer, you know, we all know that those things are good for us, we're supposed to be doing them. Okay. But why do we struggle many times? I believe it's because we come at it from a sense of obligation and we feel like, well, this is, you know, like, uh, you know, I've got to get my ab workout in because I know I need to do it, you know. It's not really enjoyable. we just got to do it. And most of the time we just don't. But uh, I don't know about you. I, I don't do it. Um, so, you know, that's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's not calling us to a checklist on a clipboard. He's not calling us to a set of rules that we have to fulfill. He's calling us to live with him. He's calling us to relationship. You know, and we've heard these analogies before, but you know, I'm a preacher. I'm going to use it again. Uh, you know, in in a marriage relationship, you know. You know, I don't walk around with a, a checklist when I wake up in the morning. Okay. Say good morning to Christina. Check. Okay. Uh, bring her her coffee, or else check. Uh, got that one. That that one is legalism. That is. God help us. But anyway, now I got Noah telling me the same. Dad, can I have some coffee? And he's like, "Okay, listen. Yeah, but you know, it's not about a checklist. You know, God God isn't interested in in knowing that you read your three chapters so you could do your read through the Bible of that year. I mean. Praise God for that. If you want, that's good if you want to do it, but do it because you want to do it. Do it because you feel like that's connecting you to Jesus, and it, it will. It'll bring a benefit if you do it with that heart of relationship. He's not wanting you to be just checking things off. He doesn't want a, a mechanism. He wants a person. He doesn't want a robot. He wants you as an individual with all of, all of your challenges, your emotions, you know, Jesus has a way of, of fixing us when we get around Him, when we spend time with Him. He adjusts us, He corrects us. And many times, you know, we feel the that shame that wants to cause us to draw away, and when we actually press in closer, he, he warms our hearts, He changes us, He makes us transformed into His image. He called them that they might be with Him. Wow, praise God. You know, I don't know what time I started, so if you can kind of give me a guesstimate. Um, and then as a result of that, they would go out, they would preach, they would share that message. You know, uh, I can tell you, and uh, I've, I've traveled around the world, we've seen awesome things that Jesus has done. And we've been very privileged to be right on the front lines, right right there, eyewitnesses of, of miracles Just like what we read about in the Bible. We've seen those things with our own eyes. Uh, You know, I've preached to thousands, 20 plus nations. But I can tell you that that's not what brings peace to my life. That's not what brings me fulfillment as a Christian. The thing that brings me fulfillment as a believer is the same thing that does in your life. It's living with Jesus every day. It's walking with Him. It's knowing His heart. It's knowing that He cares for me. It's knowing that He paid the ultimate price so that I could never be separated from Him again, so that I could enjoy every benefit that He made available to me. Luke chapter 10, we don't have to go there, but you know the story, Martha and Mary. You know, Martha gets a a bad rap, I think. We oversimplify it. But, you know, Martha was doing exactly what she should have been doing according to that culture. She was trying to take care of Jesus and and had him as a guest coming into her home and was getting everything ready. And you ladies especially, you know how that is. You want everything to be perfect. And, uh, you know, God forbid somebody wipes their fingers through the cake icing. I mean, it ain't going to happen. It's like, no. But uh, I would never do that, by the way. But, you know, the thing is, she was really wanting to serve Jesus. She was wanting to do things right for him and make everything acceptable. She really wanted him to have a good time with her family. And that was a right, that was a noble aspiration. And yet, Mary, of course, sits down and, and says she sat at his feet and heard his word. listened to him. talked to him. And Jesus, of course, corrects Martha and says, hey, you're, You're worried about so many things. I mean, how many of you can associate with Martha? I'm sure all of us can. All of us can. It's like the Brady Bunch. Martha, Martha, Martha. (laughs) You know, but... Got to go way back. But Martha had all the right intentions. Her heart was right. And you know what? Jesus corrected her in a loving way. And I, I bet you even though it doesn't exactly tell us this, I can just imagine that Martha just breathed a sigh of relief and sat right down for a minute and, and probably kicked Mary in the butt and said, hey, go, go clean the fish or whatever they're doing. But, you know, the point being, M- Mary chose the part that's needed. That's what Jesus said. She's chosen the needful thing, that which was necessary, and it won't be taken away. You know, people can take away activities that you do. You know, there's times that maybe you're in a season, and I've I've got pastor friends, for example, that they identified so much with their pastoral ministry that when God moved them maybe into a new season, they felt like, wow, I'm not even worth anything anymore. You know, because they were so linked in with that. And it can be the same for any of us, that we feel like, well, you know, hey, for me, maybe if, you know, God says, hey, I don't want you to travel for a while. I want you to stay back in Texas or back in Michigan, you know, is that going to affect my relationship with Jesus? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It doesn't as far as he's concerned. But so many times we have that Martha mentality like Jesus just wants to be here because we make him good food. Jesus wants to be with us because we got the water and we're washing his feet when he comes through the door. And that's all wonderful. But Jesus wants to be in your house so that he can be with you. Jesus wants you to live with him. I can remember just uh, talking to the kids here. You know, how many, how many kids here are maybe around 9 or 10 or 11? You got any 9, 10 or 11 year olds in here? A few hands. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. When I was that age, when I was that age, guys, I would just, by myself, nobody would make me do this. I felt, because of what I'm talking about, I wanted to be with Jesus. I wanted to hear Him. I wanted to see what He was saying in the Word of God, and the Bible. And I would just go pray. Now, maybe not every day, and, and I'm not saying I was a little saint, perfect. But, I really wanted to know Jesus. And I would go and pray And my mom and dad wouldn't make me do that. I'd just go maybe in my room or out in the woods or something and take my Bible. And I would just pray and read my Bible. And you know what? Jesus began to speak to my heart in different ways. And when I was just 11, he said something really direct. And people probably thought it was crazy. He said, Michael, go to China. I thought, wow, I don't know anybody in China. But Jesus took me there just about a year later. And from that point, I'm talking about following Jesus. He'll take you places that you never thought you could go. He'll do things with your life. If you'll just give the best of yourself to him, the best you know how to do it, just, and just give yourself to Jesus every day. Live with him. Walk with him. And he'll take you and lead you into a beautiful life. A beautiful life. Everything that's gone right in my life has been because of Jesus. Everything, everything. And so it's a simple message, nothing complicated about it, but I like what the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, you can look there later, but when Peter and John were accused, they'd, they'd healed this man at the temple gate and the religious leaders just got all bent out of shape about that because they were drawing the people away from that religious system, that legalistic system to follow this this life, this relationship with this risen Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And it said that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they knew that these guys didn't have any education, they weren't trained in rhetoric, they weren't trained in oratory or any of that, they were just, the Bible says, uneducated, common men, they were astonished, the people, these rulers, these religious leaders were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. And I believe that that's Jesus' ideal for all of us, that people can tell just by looking at us, just by being around us, that we've been with Jesus. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference uh, when people can see that we've been with Jesus. It'll come through. It'll show. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always...